We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 308 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Thursday, May 5th, 2022. It is Cinco de Mayo, 2022. A happy Cinco de Mayo to you and yours. Uh, Enjoy a nice, refreshing Coors Light on this Cinco de Mayo, either with lime or without lime. Your choice. Uh, Enjoy a nice mojito. In honor of Cinco de Mayo. Uh, Cinco de Mayo always cracks me up. Cinco de Mayo has nothing to do with the United States, and yet we go crazy over Cinco de Mayo in the United States. In fact, Cinco de Mayo is in honor of Mexico winning a battle in a war that Mexico ultimately lost. Uh, Cinco de Mayo has nothing to do with the United States, and yet is a much bigger deal uh, in the United States than in Mexico. And Cinco de Mayo, in case you don't know, is in honor of the Mexican army's victory over the French Empire at the Battle of Puebla on May 5th, 1862. I read to you from Wikipedia, which is never wrong and always right, quote, the victory of a smaller, poorly equipped Mexican force against the larger and better armed French army was a morale boost for the Mexicans, but a larger French force ultimately defeated the Mexican army at the Second Battle of Puebla and occupied Mexico City end quote. So Mexico won that initial battle, but the French won the rematch. So (laughs) Cinco de Mayo is in honor of something that A, has nothing to do with the U.S., and B, ended up not meaning that much because the French won the second battle of Puebla. And yet, us gringos, we celebrate Cinco de Mayo like it's our job. But that's okay, all right? It's okay to celebrate. Uh, There's also this with Cinco de Mayo, and maybe this is just a me thing, but Cinco de Mayo is a great song. Uh, Cinco de Mayo is a terrific song by a band called War. Uh, not sure if that stands for Wins Above Replacement, but uh, War, Cinco de Mayo, 1980s song, was before my time, but I do appreciate the song. So here you go. In honor of Cinco de Mayo, War will give it to you. Cinco de Mayo Cinco de Mayo 
Yeah, there you go. How do you hear that and not move? How do you listen to that and not want to get up and move, man? Uh, So happy Cinco de Mayo. Well, you know who may well be celebrating Cinco de Mayo, don't you? The head coach of our commanders, Ron Rivera. Ron is of both Puerto Rican and Mexican descent. Uh, We on Wednesday had the commanders releasing an interview that Julie Donaldson of the commanders did with Ron Rivera. Uh, The interview is not about Cinco de Mayo. The interview uh, is about the Commander's 2022 draft. Ron, in the interview, actually opened up a good amount about the Commander's 2022 draft. And so coming up over the next few segments, I will take you through the best of what Ron Rivera had to say. Uh, You're going to hear Ron deliver a very clear message regarding the drafting of quarterback Sam Howell. You will hear Ron explain his thinking on trading down in the first round and taking receiver Jahan Dodson with that number 16 overall pick. You will hear Ron provide some notable detail on his thinking on how he'll be using the fourth round safety, Percy Butler, and much more. Lots of commander's draft talk of comments from Ron Rivera is coming up. Uh, Also on the show, I'm talking Nationals. Uh, The Nats late night on Wednesday night got their first complete game of the 2022 regular season. Yes, a Nats starting pitcher on Wednesday night through a complete game, and the complete game came from Patrick Corbin, of all people. And it's not just that, the complete game came from Patrick Corbin, of all people, at Coors Field, of all places. Uh, Now, the complete game did come in a Nats loss, a 5-2 loss at the Colorado Rockies, but the Nats amazingly have pitched quite well at Coors Field over the first two games of this three-game series at the Rockies. Uh, We also, on Wednesday night, did have another brutal game for all CDs Escobar. So lots to get into with the Nats. Uh, I'll also talk Orioles. Uh, they on Wednesday night ravaged. They humbled a former Oriole. Former Oriole starting pitcher Dylan Bundy got humbled at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Wednesday night. Make him humble. That's right, cheeky baby. Make him humble. Uh, the O's did humble. Dylan Bundy on Wednesday night in what ended up being a 9-4 win over the Minnesota Twins at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Bundy, nine runs in three and two-thirds innings. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Dr. Muhammad in Hawaii on the Commander's 2022 draft. Uh, Dr. Muhammad, one of many doctors who listen to this podcast, writes Dr. Muhammad, belated congratulations on the 300 episodes and for the continued excellent quality of all 300 plus entries. Uh, thank you, Dr. Muhammad. Uh, continues Dr. Muhammad. I had some thoughts regarding the first round trade back that could explain why some people were a bit disappointed. I think when the 11th pick came around, I was thinking that, okay, the commanders are either going to get Kyle Hamilton, Chris Olave, or Jamison Williams, that's pretty good. But when the commanders traded back to 16, I was still hopeful that we would land one of those guys because dropping back five spots still kept those players tantalizingly close. It's not like we traded back into the 20s where there was no hope of getting these players. All that was needed was for two teams to pick any other player, which was not unrealistic. So in a sense, the disappointment was of my own creation because I wanted for the commanders to have their cake and eat it too. If someone told me before the draft, that the commanders traded back and got additional mid-round picks in this draft, I would have been very happy. 
with that smart decision. The other issue is off listening to all of the DC slash national draft podcasts talk extensively about Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jamison Williams. The only reason I had heard about John Dodson was that he was mentioned by Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay as a receiver who could do well slash surprise people coming out of the second round. But the coverage wasn't anything as in-depth as the coverage was for the top guys on the board. So to see that we had an opportunity to get an elite guy, honestly based on the amount of coverage that the guys got, and then pass to get someone who is projected to be available in the second round is a bummer. Obviously, I am not a draft expert slash scout, and no amount of YouTube highlights slash show following is going to change that, but I think that's where the sentiment may be coming from. Uh, Thank you for the email, Dr. Muhammad. I think you nailed it. Uh, We all thought with the way that the first round was playing out that the commanders were going to take Kyle Hamilton, Chris Olave, or Jamison Williams. Uh, The commanders certainly could have taken Kyle Hamilton, Chris Olave, or Jamison Williams, but the commanders didn't take any of those guys. And I believe that tells you what the team truly thought about those guys. You know, the commanders, I think, liked those guys, but The commanders didn't love those guys. What I believe to be true is that the commanders had Jahan Dodson higher on their draft board than many other teams did. And time will tell if the commanders were right about that. But what I don't think has been talked about enough is that all of this talk and all of these reports that the commanders liked, especially Kyle Hamilton and Chris Olave, ended up not being as true as people thought, you know? This reminds me of last year when we had those reports that Washington really liked Justin Fields, and then Washington did not trade up to take Justin Fields as he fell in the first round of the 2021 draft. Uh, There's a big difference between liking a player and loving a player. I don't think that the commanders truly loved Kyle Hamilton or Chris Olave like we were led to believe. And as I discussed with Pro Football Focus lead college football analyst Anthony Treesh on Wednesday's show, episode 307. While yes, Chris Olave and Jamison Williams are very enticing prospects, I think that it's quite possible that we'll look back on the four players who the commanders essentially turned that number 11 overall pick into as appearing to be better than just having uh, stayed at 11 and taken Olave or Williams. The commanders essentially turned the number 11 overall pick into four offensive players. Receiver Jahan Dodson, running back Brian Robinson Jr., quarterback Sam Howell, and tight end Cole Turner. Uh, That could end up looking brilliant, okay? I mean, we'll see. Time will tell. But that could end up being really good, turning that number 11 overall pick into those four players. Uh, Email from Wendell Hicks on Deron Payne, to whom the commanders, per team insider Ben Standing of The Athletic, are not expected to offer a contract extension this offseason. And so I believe that the commanders should be very open to trading pain this offseason, even though I'm not holding my breath on that happening. Uh, writes Wendell, I always love your show. It's what I listen to every morning while I'm working. Uh, thank you, Wendell. Continues Wendell, off the news that our beloved commanders are unlikely to re-sign Deron Payne. I'm wondering if you recall Jack Del Rio's initial thought on Payne when Del Rio was hired. I seem to remember Del Rio saying that Payne was the player who popped on film as Del Rio was studying the defense. That seems like a big change from being thrilled about coaching him to not wanting to extend him. It's hard to imagine 
that even the dysfunctional commanders would not resign a player who the defensive coordinator loves. Uh, thank you for the email, Wendell. So uh, I would just say a few things. Jack Del Rio really liking a player uh, doesn't mean that everyone else in the organization feels the same way about that player. Uh, also, just because Jack said something about a player doesn't mean that his opinion can't change or that maybe Jack never really felt how he said he felt to begin with. Uh, I don't know. I do think that Deron Payne is a good player. He's not a great player, okay? And I think that some people, fans and media, have overrated Payne, especially the people who have sworn that Payne was the best of Washington's interior defensive linemen. Uh, no, the best of Washington's interior defensive linemen has been Jonathan Allen and is Jonathan Allen. And that's not even a conversation anymore. But Payne is a good player. Uh, he has been a very durable player. And I don't really get why the commanders this offseason won't even offer him a contract extension. Like, if the team doesn't want to spend big money on Payne, fine, but at least make him an offer. I mean, at least try to extend him if you want to keep him beyond this season. Don't set yourself up to just lose him via unrestricted free agency next offseason. And please do not be counting on tagging Payne next offseason with a franchise tag or even a transition tag. We know how the tag game ultimately plays out. The player leaves. Uh, but I keep coming back to two things with the Duran Payne situation. Number one, the commander's for whatever reason, don't seem to be all that interested in keeping him. And we don't have a clear answer as to why. Number two, if the commanders aren't that interested in keeping Payne, then why didn't they try harder to re-sign Tim Settle? And or why did they have to release Matt Ioannidis? Uh, I just don't get all of that. Well, I do get that if you have a case, you should contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. It's very simple. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you or someone you love is dealing with injury through no fault of your own or his or her own, call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611 and tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not buck in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses whose practices or products are directly related to the root of your injury. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who caused the client's harm more than the offers benefit the clients. Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families in the future. Again, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a, a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202 902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace 
that Al Galdi sends you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. That's PaulsonandNace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. All right, so we on this podcast this week have spent a good bit of time talking about the commanders taking a quarterback, North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell, on Saturday afternoon in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft. Uh, I went in-depth on the selection on our special scheduled emergency commanders draft show for this past Sunday, episode 304. I spoke with NFL draft analyst Thor Nystrom of NBC Sports Edge on Monday's show, episode 305. I spoke with North Carolina offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Phil Longo on Tuesday's show, episode 306. I spoke with Pro Football Focus lead college football analyst Anthony Trish on Wednesday's show, episode 307. So we've had a lot of different opinions and perspectives on Sam Howell. But what remains true is that Carson Wentz is the commander's starting quarterback. Uh, Now, that can always change depending on injury and performance. But right now, at this point in time, and going into the 2022 regular season, Carson Wentz is the commander's QB1. Uh, There is no quarterback controversy. There's not going to be an open quarterback competition at Commander's training camp. Now, if Wentz gets hurt or if Wentz struggles, then the conversation can change. But even then, the likelihood would be that Taylor Heineke would become the Commander's starting quarterback, not Sam Howell. Uh, The head coach of our Commanders, Ron Rivera, in the Commander's post-draft press conference on Saturday, made it very clear that despite the team having drafted Sam Howell earlier that day, Carson Wentz is the team's QB1, and Taylor Heineke is the team's QB2. Ron on Saturday even admitted to having called Wentz to assure him of this, to tell him not to read too much into the selection of Sam Howell. Remember, there is a reported history of Carson Wentz during his time with the Philadelphia Eagles having not taken well to competition at quarterback, uh, be it Nick Foles leading the Eagles to a Super Bowl championship for the 2017 season, during which Wentz suffered a season-ending torn left ACL in December 2017, or the Eagles having taken Jalen Hurts in the second round of the 2020 draft. With all of this as a backdrop, uh, we on Wednesday had the commanders releasing an in-house interview that Julie Donaldson, who is the team's senior vice president of media and content, did with Ron Rivera. Uh, The interview was about the Commander's 2022 draft. You can watch the interview on the Commander's official website or on the Commander's YouTube page. Consider this exchange between Ron and Julie. Uh, Moving on to um, Sam Howell. Yes. The biggest surprise. Yes. Everybody wants to sit there and try and read into this. Well, Um, yes. And and some people want to plant stuff that don't need to be planted. So There's there's nothing about it. What it is, is we've got our two guys right off the bat, okay? And, and, and when you have Carson, you feel very, very comfortable with them. Um, you know, you, you got Taylor, who we really like a lot. I mean, this is a guy that did some good things and has continued to do good things for us. So we're excited about that tandem right there. But you do need a depth player, and he's our third. And he's a developmental guy that's going to have nothing but time, an opportunity to, to get to know the guys in front of him, learn from these guys. And uh, there's no pressure on him. And, and to me, it, 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 I think it's a really good thing. 
Um, you know, I like the tape from 2020 and 2021 once things settled down for them. You know, what people don't realize or some people don't want to give them credit for is this 2020 season was phenomenal. Now, he did have some talented guys around him. He had two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, and three, three offensive linemen that ended up in the NFL. Right. And so in 2021, he was kind of starting all over. And they were trying to figure out who they were going to be. He threw for over 3,000 yards, rushed for over 1,000. I think accounted for over 30 touchdowns on their offense. That's a pretty impactful season. So he's got, he's got some skill sets to him. Um, he, he's, he's a guy that can be a future guy for us. It's going to help us eventually. But right now, I like who our quarterback is, and I like our primary backup. Interesting that Ron Rivera keeps affirming not just Carson Wentz as the commander's QB1, but also Taylor Heineke as the commander's QB2. Uh, also, I liked how Ron Rivera said, quote, some people want to plant stuff that don't need to be planted. And quote, that gosh darn media always trying to stir stuff up. Uh, look, I can only speak for myself, okay? I have not said that there's a quarterback controversy. You know why? Because there isn't a quarterback controversy. There could be a quarterback controversy eventually, but there is not a quarterback controversy right now. Uh, I do love that Ron Rivera took Sam Howell in the fifth round of the 2022 draft. I fully endorse Ron having taken Sam Howell in the fifth round of the 2022 draft. Uh, As I have said, that was a great value pick. A guy in Howell who a year ago was viewed as the potential number one pick in the 2022 draft, and the commanders got him with the number 144 pick in the 2022 draft. Uh, No position in sports matters more than quarterback. We all know that. Uh, The commanders still have major quarterback uncertainty. I don't care how optimistic you want to be about Carson Wentz. If you're being objective, he is far from a sure thing. And so to me, as a franchise quarterback needy team, as our commanders are, you take swings at the quarterback position until you hit on a franchise quarterback. Taking Sam Howell in the fifth round of the 2022 draft was a smart, shrewd swing at the quarterback position. And even if Howell only ends up being a backup quarterback in the NFL, that's okay. An NFL team, to me, needs three capable quarterbacks. Forget about two, three. And there's also this. Taylor Heineke is said to be an unrestricted free agent next offseason. So the commanders potentially could be losing Heineke next offseason and might need Sam Howell to become the team's QB2. Now, I guess the commanders could always franchise tag Heineke next offseason. Just kidding, okay? Just kidding, all right? But yeah, I mean, Sam Howell may well end up being the commander's long-term QB2, if not more. So the Sam Howell pick has gotten a lot of attention, and justifiably so. Quarterback is the sexiest position in all of sports. But of course, Sam Howell was only a fifth-round pick. The commander's first-round pick in the 2022 draft was Penn State receiver Jahan Dotson. Uh, The commanders initially had the number 11 overall pick in the 2022 draft. They, on the night of the first round of the draft, last Thursday night, traded that number 11 overall pick to the New Orleans Saints for a 2022 first-round pick, the number 16 overall pick, a 2022 third-round pick, the number 98 overall pick, and a 2022 fourth-round pick, the number 120 overall pick. Here was Ron Rivera to Julie Donaldson on whether Ron considered just taking Jahan Dodson at 11. Um, no, we, we, we felt going backwards, 
and he would be there. And and you know, you try to predict it, and you're hoping, and and we did. Um, and he was there. He's a guy that we really do feel is a is a fit for us. We believe he is a plug and play guy. He's versatile. He's he's got a tremendous catch radius. He's going to line up at the at the different wide receiver spots for us for different circumstances, and he has some special teams value in terms of punt return. So Rod Rivera calls Jahan Dodson, quote, a plug-and-play guy, end quote. And that certainly was a theme for the Commanders in their 2022 draft, getting guys who can play right away, getting guys who address current team needs or at least address perceived team needs. Uh, It was also notable that Ron there said that Dodson will line up at various receiver spots. Uh, Yeah, this notion that Dodson is just a slot receiver I mean, look, maybe he ends up proving to be primarily a slot receiver in the NFL, but Dotson in college primarily was an outside receiver. Now, he is a smaller receiver, yes. Uh, Dotson at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine measured as being 5'10 and 5 eighths of an inch and 178 pounds. Uh, but Dotson, over his four seasons at Penn State for Pro Football Focus, played on 1,148 snaps as an outside receiver as compared to just 225 snaps as a slot receiver. That's a big difference. I mean, Dotson in college per PFF had 5.1 offensive snaps as an outside receiver for every one snap that he had as a slot receiver. So keep that in mind the next time that you hear that Dotson is definitely a slot receiver in the NFL. Again, he may be, but I wouldn't just put that in stone, okay? I think Dotson is going to move around. I think what you have with the commanders right now Three receivers in Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dodson, all of whom are capable of playing both on the outside and in the slot. Uh, And you heard Ron mention Dodson having special teams value with his experience returning punts. Yet Dodson at Penn State had success as a punt returner. Dodson, over four seasons at Penn State, did total just 19 punt returns. So the sample size wasn't massive, but he ended his Penn State career as the school's all-time leader in career yards per punt return at 17.8. By the way, speaking of returns, uh, the commanders on Wednesday did announce the signing of an unrestricted free agent, uh, receiver Alex Erickson. Uh, The commanders have signed him as a free agent acquisition. Uh, The 2022 season will be Erickson's age 30 season. He most recently played for, wait for it, wait for it, yes, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, You knew that that was coming. Uh, Alex Erickson is part of the Carolina Mafia, although that does come with a caveat. So Erickson came into the NFL in 2016 with the Cincinnati Bengals as an undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin. Uh, Erickson played for the Bengals from 2016 through 2020. He played for the Carolina Panthers for just last season the 2021 season. So yes, Alex Erickson is a commenter, uh, but he did not play for Ron Rivera during Ron's time as Panthers head coach. But better to have some Panthers in your background than no Panthers in your background in the mind of Ron Rivera looking at a player. But here's the biggest takeaway with Alex Erickson. He is a returner. Uh, He is a very experienced returner. Uh, Erickson, over his six NFL seasons, 2016, through 2021 has totaled just 96 receptions over 97 regular season games. But Erickson over his six NFL seasons has been used on both punt and kickoff returns quite a bit. Uh, Erickson has totaled 158 punt returns and 110 kickoff returns over his 
97 career regular season games. And Erickson has been pretty good on returns. He's averaged 8.1 yards over 158 career regular season putt returns. And he has averaged 24.8 yards over 110 career regular season kickoff returns. I mean, Alex Erickson, to me, is a lot like DeAndre Carter, who Washington signed as an unrestricted free agent last offseason. You know, a veteran receiver hasn't caught many passes in the NFL, but has been used a lot on returns in the NFL. So as things stand right now, Alex Erickson and Jahan Dodson would seem to be two primary options for the commanders on returns this coming season. But back to Ron Rivera on Jahan Dodson. So remember, Ron Rivera in the first round of the 2022 draft essentially chose Dodson over two other receivers in Chris Olave and Jamison Williams. Uh, The New Orleans Saints, with that number 11 overall pick that they acquired from the Commanders, took Chris Olave. The Detroit Lions, with the number 12 overall pick, took Jamison Williams. The Commanders had that number 11 overall pick, could have just kept it and taken either Olave or Williams. Instead, the Commanders traded down and ended up drafting Jahan Dodson with that number 16 overall pick. Ron Rivera to Julie Donaldson on why he went with Jahan Dotson. I think he was probably one of the guys that was really, I think, season ready. I mean, he's a guy that's going to come in. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, a pro already. He understands what he's supposed to do, how he needs to do it. Um, you know, we didn't bring him in on a 30 visit because we felt we knew who he was. And that 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 was one of the things that you know, we used the 30 visit to get to know the guys we didn't have. We right. had a few questions on. We didn't have any questions on him. You know, we had six people present at his workout at, at Penn State. Um, and they did a lot of behind the scenes stuff for us. You know, they interviewed different people, different personnel to ask them about Jahan. And so we came away feeling pretty good about him. I kind of found that fascinating a little bit that somebody that you were taking and we talked to, he said, I didn't have a lot of meetings with Washington, but it's because you didn't need to. Right. You're already confident in who he was and, and what he's going to be. So we're excited to see that yeah. play out, though. We, we did that one time in Carolina and it turned out to be Luke Keekley. <laughs> we didn't spend an inordinate amount of time, you know, interviewing or anything like that. It's just that when, when, when you get to a point and you feel very comfortable, you know, we don't want to show our hand. Yeah, to me, you have a lot of good things that are very apparent with Jahan Dodson, and these things help to make him a higher floor draft choice. Uh, He is fast, he has great hands, he has a tremendous catch radius, and he is very mature. You know, that's as obvious as can be when you hear him speak. Uh, The number one receiver on the commander's draft board supposedly was Drake London, uh, but he got taken by the Atlanta Falcons with the number eight overall pick. What I would love to know is whether the commanders on their draft board actually had Jahan Dodson ahead of both Chris Olave and Jamison Williams, uh, because that obviously would not have been in accordance with the way the experts viewed the receivers in the 2022 draft. I mean, the commanders at the very least didn't think that there was much of a difference between Jahan Dodson and Chris Olave and Jahan Dodson and Jamison Williams in terms of Dodson being the lesser player, did the commanders in fact think that Dodson was the better player as compared to both Olave and Williams? Uh, I would love to know the answer to that question. Well, the answer to the question of how to grow your business or practice and make more money is working with Imageworks. If you own, run, or work at a business that you want to grow, if you want your business to generate more revenue, 
then you gotta work with ImageWorks. ImageWorks is a full-service boutique web design branding and marketing company, and ImageWorks has a new special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a free digital marketing plan for any qualifying company. Yes, a free digital marketing plan. What comes with a free digital marketing plan? Well, you get a review of your current marketing and advertising tactics. You get a review of all marketing and advertising options. You get the setting of a marketing budget that is proper for your business. You get a PDF of a final plan, including recommendations and more. Take advantage of this free offer. Let ImageWorks help your business or practice generate more revenue, no matter where your business or practice is located. You don't have to be in the Washington, D.C. area to work with ImageWorks. Just go to imageworkscreative.com, click on contact near the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. That's imageworkscreative.com. Image, one word, works, plural, creative.com. Imageworkscreative.com. Click on contact near the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Uh, Also, you can call or text the owner of ImageWorks, Scott, at 703-928-7309. That's 703-928-7309. You can text them right now. Just mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Also, for any listener of the podcast who refers a client to ImageWorks who signs with ImageWorks, ImageWorks will send that listener to a Commanders, Capitals, Nationals, or Wizards game. Just go to imageworkscreative.com, click on contact near the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer, or you can just call or text Scott at 703-928-7309. Make your business better and make more money by working with ImageWorks. ImageWorks, creative minds focused on one goal, your business success. Uh, More now from Ron Rivera with Julie Donaldson on the Commander's 2022 draft. What about the Alabama running back, Brian Robinson Jr.? Uh, What exactly is Ron Rivera thinking with Robinson? So the Commanders took Robinson this past Friday night in the third round of the 2022 draft. Uh, Robinson at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine measured as being 6'1 and 5 eighths of an inch and 225 pounds. He is a big back. He is a physical back. Uh, Robinson played at Alabama for five seasons, 2017 through 2021. He did not become a starter for Bama until this past season, his 2021 redshirt senior season, but he, in that season, over 14 games, totaled 1,343 rushing yards, averaged 4.96 yards per carry, and scored 14 rushing touchdowns. And I mentioned him being a physical back. Uh, Robinson in his 2021 redshirt senior season at Bama for Pro Football Focus had 891 yards after contact that ranked 12th in the FBS. And he had 79 missed tackles forced that ranked tied for sixth in the FBS. Tremendous numbers right there. Uh, There are those who believe that an NFL team in 2022 should not draft a running back until day three of the draft. The commanders obviously took Brian Robinson Jr. on day two of the 2022 draft. There also are those who believe that Robinson wasn't even the best running back on the board at the time that the commanders drafted him. But Ron Rivera told Julie Donaldson that Brian Robinson Jr. was high 
on the commander's draft board. You're going to hear that in this cut that I'm about to play for you. Julie asked Ron whether Robinson, with his physicality, was a need for the commander's running backs room. I think it was it was a need for that room. And, and, and again, when you talk about best player available, um, he was one of the guys that, that, that was at the top there for us. Um, what we really like is his ball security, his history of ball security, um, his yards after contact. I think he was number five total in, in, in Power Five conferences in terms of yards after contact. So this is a guy that has you know, tremendous power, strength, very stout at the point, a guy that can move the pile. Um, and, and he's going to add very nicely to what we have with uh, Antonio Gibson in terms of a one-two punch. You know, a lot of the success that I've been around, like this, that I've had uh, as a head coach has a lot to do with having a quality one-two punch. You know, we had Jonathan Stewart and, and D'Angelo Williams in Carolina uh, my, first, uh, my first five seasons, and uh, shoot, my first four seasons, and we were very successful with that. Um, so we feel really good about who this combination, this tandem can be for us going forward. Ah, yes. So with the commander's running back group tandem of Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson Jr., I do believe that the commander spending a third round pick on Robinson is a lot more about spelling Gibson and maybe even having an RB1 option beyond Gibson than spending a third round pick on Robinson is about him being the new short yardage back, you know, the new Peyton Barber. Washington, last regular season, it was very good on short yardage runs. That wasn't an issue for Washington last regular season, the short yardage run. Uh, Antonio Gibson being banged up was an issue for Washington last regular season. Antonio Gibson leaving yards on the field was an issue for Washington last regular season. Antonio Gibson's fumbling was an issue for Washington last regular season. And I say all of this while acknowledging that Antonio Gibson last regular season did do a lot of good things for Washington. But this was Ron Rivera to Julie Donaldson on what the drafting of Brian Robinson Jr. means for Antonio Gibson. I think what it does is it takes it takes some of the pressure off in terms of, you know, not only did he did he did the, do the running, you know, off the off the edges, off you know, off tackle around the edges, um, and he actually had to run the inside game. Now we're going to be able to take that pressure off him, really give him an opportunity to get out in space, and that's what he does best. He can make people miss, and he's got he's sneaky fast. Yeah, and that re- the receiver as well. Yeah, absolutely, and, and and probably the other thing too is you know it takes some of the pressure off of uh, off of JD. I mean, you know, last year was a big loss when we lost JD, um, and so what we have to do is we've got to be able to replace uh, some of those snaps as well. Yeah, Ron Rivera right there sounded to me like someone who's going to be giving Brian Robinson Jr. more than just short yardage carries. And you know what? This could actually end up being good for Antonio Gibson. I mean, with Gibson, less, maybe more. We, over his two seasons with Washington, have not seen the dynamic Antonio Gibson that we thought that Washington was getting when it took him in the third round of the 2020 draft as a combo running back receiver out of Memphis. I mean, there just have not been that many explosive plays with Gibson over his two seasons with Washington. And we also have not seen much in the way of Gibson as a pass catcher over his two seasons with Washington. Uh, The explosive play and pass catching play that comes to mind is what he did in the loss at the Buffalo Bills in week three this past season. A second quarter, second and eight, 73-yard 
touchdown reception on which Gibson was awesome. He caught the ball at about the Washington 22 and then exploded downfield, ran by multiple Bills defenders, and then did an outstanding job of plowing through Bills corner Tredavious White and diving at the front right pylon for the touchdown. I mean, that's the Antonio Gibson who we want to see more of. And maybe having Brian Robinson Jr. taking some of the load off of Gibson and helping to keep Gibson healthier will help to bring out more of the explosive Antonio Gibson. The commander's draftee about whom Ron Rivera raved the most during the commander's post-draft press conference on Saturday was the Nevada tight end, Cole Turner. Uh, The commanders took Turner on Saturday in the fifth round of the 2022 draft. Uh, Turner is a big dude. He at the 2022 NFL scouting combine measured as being 6'6 and a half of an inch and 249 pounds. He was a productive player for Nevada. Turner played for Nevada for four seasons, 2018 through 2021. Turner for his 2021 senior season tied for second in the FBS in touchdown receptions by a tight end at 10. Turner in 20 games over his final two collegiate seasons had 111 receptions, including 19 touchdown receptions. Uh, He is not known as a blocking tight end, okay? He is not John Bates, but what Turner is, is a receiving tight end. And Ron Rivera very clearly is high on Turner. This was Ron with Julie Donaldson on Cole Turner. Tremendous catch radius, a guy that can really go up and get the football. Um, he's a guy that's, again, going to have to hone up on his blocking. Uh, they didn't do a lot of that at the University of Nevada, Reno. But, uh, it's usually one or the other, maybe. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it, no, you're right. It usually is one or the other because... It's hard you know, to get them to want to do both. Well, well, for us, Logan's done a great job yeah. of becoming a quality blocker. And he was not for that early on. Exactly. So now we have a guy that, you know, does everything. We have Bates, who, who, who's a very physical guy. We have Samus, who's still learning the game. And now we just added a, a very intriguing piece to us that, that, that's got a tremendous catch radius. Yeah, the commanders potentially have a lot of depth at tight end in Logan Thomas and John Bates and Cole Turner and Samus Reyes. Uh, of course, uh, Logan is coming off a torn ACL that he suffered last December 5th in the win at the Las Vegas Raiders. So we'll see if he is good to go for the start of the 2022 regular season. But if he's not, the commanders do have some options at tight end in Bates, Turner, and Reyes. And then one more offensive player from the commanders 2022 draft class, Tulsa offensive lineman Chris Paul, who the commanders took on Saturday in the seventh round of the draft. Uh, A few things to be mindful of with Chris Paul. He is really athletic. Uh, Paul at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine, measured as being 6'3 and 7 eighths of an inch and 323 pounds. And Paul has registered a relative athletic score, an RAS of 9.46 out of 10. That ranked number 71 out of 1,298 offensive guard prospects from 1987 through 2022. How about that? Number 71 out of 1,298 offensive guard prospects. Uh, Paul was at Tulsa for five seasons, 2017 through 2021. He was a four-year starter for Tulsa, and Paul played almost everywhere on the offensive line for Tulsa. Paul for Tulsa played right guard, left guard, right tackle, and left tackle. Uh, He primarily played right guard, left guard, and right tackle. So yes, Chris Paul does offer, wait for it, position flex. Position flex. Yes, Ron. Position flex. Uh, Here was Ron with Julie Donaldson on Chris Paul. 
How much does that versatility factor in and where do you want to see him fit in? A whole bunch. Okay, all okay. over. We've but, seen how that line shifts. Oh yeah, but, but with the position flex, being able yeah. to play either guard and playing tackle, you feel very comfortable that this is a young guy that could come in. Again, no pressure to start right away, develop, grow in our system. And again, we're going to use him at some point, he will play. And that's just the way it is in, the, in this league. Guys that you don't expect to put on the field right away, end up on the field right away. And he seems really smart. Very bright, very My bright goodness. young mess, yes. Yeah, I tell you what, in John Matsko, I trust, okay? In Commander's Offensive Line Coach John Matsko, I trust. Master Matsko, do what you must. Uh, John Matsko has done an outstanding job with Washington's offensive line in each of his two seasons as the team's offensive line coach. So if he likes Chris Paul, then I'm all for Chris Paul. If Coach Matsko likes RuPaul, I'm all for RuPaul. Let Matsko work his magic. Best offensive line coach for the franchise since the greatest offensive line coach for the franchise, Joe Bugle. Up next, we'll get into what Ron Rivera had to say about the defensive players who the commanders took in the 2022 draft, including Ron with some upfront honesty about his plans for fourth-round safety Percy Butler. I'll get to that and much more after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Well, 
We continue discussing the Commander's 2022 draft off comments from Ron Rivera to Julie Donaldson in an in-house interview that the Commander's released on Wednesday. You can find the interview on the Commander's website, also on the Commander's YouTube page. Uh, Last segment, we talked about the offensive players who the Commander's took in the 2022 NFL draft. This segment, we'll discuss the defensive players who the Commander's took in the 2022 draft. And let's get to the Commander's second round pick in the 2022 draft. The Commander's on Friday night took Alabama interior defensive lineman Fidarian Mathis. Uh, Fidarian Mathis is big. We do know that. Uh, Mathis at the 2022 NFL scouting combine measured as being 6'4 and a quarter of an inch and 310 pounds. Uh, he is a wide load. This is your classic big, wide-bodied, run-stuffing defensive tackle. Uh, Mathis is experienced. He was at Alabama for five seasons, 2017 through 2021. Uh, Mathis has a very good reputation as a person. Mathis in his 2021 redshirt senior season was one of Alabama's permanent team captains. He was named to the SEC community service team for his work off the field. Ron Rivera to Julie Donaldson on Federian Mathis. One thing he did very well was he held the point of attack. He absorbed the double teams. He allowed the linebackers to run. Um, you know, and they had a couple linebackers we really liked too. Um, but he allowed them to run and be productive. And that's one of the things that, you know, and I always go back to um, back in the day, watching guys that ran well as linebackers. That's because they had people up in front of them that really knew how to absorb those blocks. Yeah, Federian Mathis certainly is big enough to absorb blocks. Uh, no question about that. He, from day one, should be a key rotational piece for the commanders in their interior defensive line rotation. The question is whether he's only a two-down player. Uh, If he is, then to me, this was not a very good pick. A second-round pick on a two-down defensive player who doesn't do much for your pass defense. It's not the way to go in 2022. But there is reason to think that Mathis can be a three-down player in the NFL. Uh, Mathis, in his 2021 redshirt senior season at Alabama, totaled nine official sacks, uh, seven sacks if you go by Pro Football Focus, which credits players for sacks differently than official statistics credit players for sacks. But Mathis's sack total, whichever one that you want to go by, was encouraging and was a function of an increase in pressures. Uh, Mathis, in his 2021 redshirt senior season at Bama for Pro Football Focus, totaled 25 pressures. His pressures went up. A player's sack total in a season jumping up without a corresponding increase in pressures for that season can mean that the increase in sacks was a fluke. Uh, Mathis's increase in sacks in his 2021 redshirt senior season at Bama did come with a corresponding increase in pressures. So there's reason to believe that what happened this past season with Mathis from a sack standpoint was not a fluke and that he is in fact developing as a pass rusher. And so maybe he can be a three-down player for the commanders. Uh, Now you heard Rod Rivera bring up Fidarian Mathis potentially helping commanders linebackers to make plays. Uh, Julie Donaldson asked Ron Rivera how important that is. I think it's very important, and, and not just to help linebackers, but to help the guys around them, to help the, 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 you know, whoever's the nose or the other three technique, to help the five or the six. You know, guys that, that, that can penetrate and get vertical and decreases and then hold that spot are very valuable because it allows people to, to do their jobs, to run, to, to, to be able to get somewhere they need to get quickly and make plays. Yeah, a guy like Fedarian Mathis, uh, to me, should not be judged solely by what he himself does. What will be telling with Mathis is how much he plays and whether the commander's front seven as a whole 
is better this coming season as compared to how Washington's front seven as a whole was last season. If Mathis this coming season plays a lot and the commander's front seven is good, then we can feel good about the drafting of Fedarian Mathis. Uh, there's no mystery with what position Fedarian Mathis will play. There is some mystery with how exactly Louisiana safety Percy Butler will be utilized. Uh, the commanders took Butler on Saturday afternoon in the fourth round of the 2022 draft. Uh, Butler for Louisiana played a good bit of nickel corner and played a good bit in the box in addition to playing free safety. Uh, he, in theory, is a free safety, but he's done a lot more than just play free safety. Ron Rivera at the commander's post-draft press conference this past Saturday said that Butler will compete at nickel corner. This was Ron to Julie Donaldson on what he's thinking with Percy Butler. Well, I think right off the bat, you know, last year we played over 53, I think around 53% of our, our defensive snaps involved three safeties. So minimum, he's going to be in there for 53% of the snaps at least. Um, he'll be part of our Buffalo and nickel packages. Uh, he'll get an opportunity to play the, uh, the nickel position. When we go to big nickel, he could end up as the safety or he could end up as the big nickel. So we're going to be able to continue to use our three safety defense a lot because of, of, of what his versatility his speed, his quickness, and his play smarts mean. So we're pretty excited about this pick. All right, so Rod Rivera making it very clear that we should expect to see a lot of Percy Butler this coming season. And it sure sounds like, you know, for all of the talk that the commanders could be bringing back Landon Collins, uh, the commanders have their three safeties for the three safety look, uh, which the commanders are planning on making heavy usage of next season. But those three safeties right now would appear to be, right, Cameron Curl, Bobby McCain, and Percy Butler. I mean, it sounds like that's the mix that Ron Rivera is going to be going with in terms of the three-safety look for this coming season. Know this too, Percy Butler is fast. Uh, Butler at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine ran a 4-3-6-40. Uh, he measured as being six feet and 194 pounds. And then the final pick for the Commanders in the 2022 draft was Christian Holmes. Hey, Holmes! Christian Holmes was taken by the Commanders. Christian Holmes is a corner out of Oklahoma State. The Commanders took him on Saturday in the seventh round. Uh, he is a smaller corner. Holmes at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine measured as being 5'11 and 7 eighths of an inch and 211 pounds. Uh, Holmes was a college football player for six seasons. Uh, he was at Missouri for five seasons, 2016 through 2020, then played for Oklahoma State in 2021 as a graduate transfer. Uh, Ron Rivera with Julie Donaldson on Christian Holmes. Well, the big thing for Christian really is to get in, get himself you know, geared up, learn what we're doing, become part of what we're doing, and then figuring out how you fit in. Um, you know, being the, the last pick really is, is, is kind of an interesting situation because there definitely is no, no pressure. Um, but what we do like is his physicality, the quickness and speed in which he plays. He is a raw talent that does have some man skills about him and some opportunities, I think, uh, to show what, he's, what he can do. Uh, he'll get, that's for sure. Yeah, so I'm not saying that I expect a ton from Kristen Holmes, but I will say this, there is opportunity on the commanders at corner. Uh, after Kendall Fuller and William Jackson III, at least as things stand right now, there is a lot of uncertainty for the commanders at corner. Uh, remember, Benjamin St. Juice, who had been the commander's number three corner going into last regular season, uh, he, in his 2021 rookie regular season, played in just nine of Washington's 17 games as he dealt 
uh, with major concussion issues. So I would not just dismiss the idea of a Christian Holmes making the commander's 53-man roster and making an impact this coming season. You know, Washington's recent draft history is that the team does get contributions from seventh-round rookies. Uh, 2021, edge defenders Shaka Tony and William Bradley King and receiver Dax Milne. 2020, safety Cameron Curl and edge defender James Smith-Williams. 2019, corner Jimmy Moreland. 2018, corner Greg Stroman and receiver Trey Quinn. Uh, recent history is that seventh-round picks by Washington make the team and do play. Well, it is wild what is happening with the Nationals starting pitching in their three-game series at the Colorado Rockies. Uh, The series, of course, is happening at Coors Field, which is the most notorious hitter's park in the majors and has been for decades. I mean, the mile-high altitude of Coors Field has been where pitchers go to get shellacked. Uh, Well, Tuesday night, we had a 10-2 Nats win in which Eric Fetty allowed one run in seven innings, becoming the first Nats starting pitcher to complete at least seven innings in a game in the 2022 regular season. And on Wednesday night, we had Patrick Corbin, of all people, throwing a complete game. Yeah, Patrick Corbin, the same Patrick Corbin, who quantifiably had been the worst starting pitcher in the majors over the last two plus seasons. That Patrick Corbin at Coors Field, tossed a complete game on Wednesday night. Uh, Now, the complete game did come in a loss for the Nats. They lost at the Rockies 5-2. The Nats this season now are just 9-17. But this is something else, how Nats starting pitchers from this oh-so-bad Nats rotation are thriving at Coors Field this week. I mean, nobody on the planet expected this. Uh, Patrick Corbin on Wednesday night gave up five runs, yes, but he was failed by his defense, and he became the first Nats starting pitcher in the 2022 regular season to toss a complete game. Uh, Corbin allowed five runs, three earned in eight innings. He gave up nine hits, a triple, two doubles, and six singles, but he issued no walks. He recorded three strikeouts. And how about this? He threw just 94 pitches, 70 of which were strikes. Corbin on Wednesday night, 70 strikes versus just 24 balls. He retired 12 of the final 13 batters he faced. You know, the game, believe it or not, took just two hours, 18 minutes. And we had a 25-minute delay of the start of the game due to rain. But the game was over quickly. You know, this was like 1950 all over again, a two-hour, 18-minute ball game on Wednesday night. Uh, Corbin began his outing by tossing scoreless first, second, and third innings, despite some shaky defense. Uh, shortstop Alcides Escobar in the bottom of the second committed a two-out throwing error to load the bases. Also, second baseman Cesar Hernandez committed a fielding error to begin the bottom of the third. And then came the inning that ended up defining the game. Corbin in the bottom of the fourth, allowed five runs, but just three of the runs were earned. Corbin gave up a one-out single to Ryan McMahon through the right side of the infield, despite McMahon having been down to the count of 1.12. Corbin gave up a one-out first pitch opposite field single to Brendan Rodgers to right field. Corbin then induced a double play grounder off the bat of Jonathan Daza, but Alcides Escobar committed another error, a one-out fielding error as he bobbled the grounder 
to load the bases. So the inning should have been over. The inning ended up not being over. Corbin then gave up two big-time hits, gave up a one-out first pitch, two-run opposite field double by Jose Iglesias to right field for a 2-1 Rockies lead. Corbin then gave up a one-out first pitch, two-run triple by Connor Joe to the left center field gap, past a diving Victor Robles for a 4-1 Rockies lead. And Corbin then induced a one-out first pitch RBI ground out by Charlie Blackman for a 5-1 Rockies lead. So a bad job by Corbin of giving up the two-run double to Iglesias and the two-run triple to Joe, but the inning should have been over. Uh, here was Nats manager David Martinez during his postgame session with reporters late night on Wednesday night on Patrick Corbin. Forget about the outcome of the game. Uh, Patrick was awesome today. I mean, we, he, was, he did everything we asked him to do. Uh, he attacked the strike zone. Um, you know, he had... He had uh, Six innings with 15 pitches or less. Faced 24 batters, which three pitches or less. I mean, you can't ask for more than what he did today. And uh, and he finished the game. You know, didn't, you know. But that being said, um, I, I've said this and I preach it all every day. We got to catch the ball, and we got to catch the ball. And uh, we didn't do that for him today. And, and it, it kind of is upsetting because of what what Patrick did. Um, but we got we got to play defense. I mean, that's you know, that's the name of the game for us. We got to play defense. Uh, we didn't do it tonight. David Martinez was right about that, but bottom line, this was a second consecutive good start for Patrick Corbin off him getting wrecked in a 7-1 loss to the San Francisco Giants at Nationals Park on April 22nd, seven runs in one and two-thirds innings. Uh, Corbin, in his next outing, a 3-2 loss to the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park last Thursday afternoon, three runs, two earned in six innings, but he was even better than that final line indicated. Corbin recorded eight strikeouts. He gave up four hits, three doubles, and a single. He issued two walks into wild pitch. He threw 90 pitches, 62 strikes versus 28 balls. So Corbin, in each of his last two starts now, has done a good job of pounding the strike zone. Uh, your Patrick Corbin ERA now, over six starts in the 2022 regular season, 7-16. Uh, still not so good, but Corbin has been better over his last two starts. But let's talk about Alcides Escobar. Uh, another brutal game for him on Wednesday night. Uh, I just don't know how much more of this the Nats can take. Uh, Alcides Escobar on Wednesday night was the Nats starting shortstop and number nine batter. He went 0 for 3 with three strikeouts and committed two errors. Uh, Escobar in the bottom of the second committed a two-out throwing error to load the bases. As he, with runners on first and second, made a bad throw off a hot grounder off the bat of Yonatan Daza, and first baseman Josh Bell was unable to come through on a backhanded catch of Escobar's throw. And then Escobar, in that Rockies five-run fourth, committed a one-out fielding error. As he, with runners on first and second, bobbled a grounder off the bat of Yonatan Daza to load the bases. Grounders off the bat of Yonatan Daza were not good for all CDs Escobar on Wednesday night. Uh, Davey Martinez during his post-game session with reporters late night on Wednesday night on Alcides Escobar. Oh, I mean, he, I mean the, the, you know, it was a ground ball, double play. You know, he's made it so many times. Um, you know, uh, I know Bogey and, and Deesar are going to talk to him about it, you know, but they're going to look at it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, like I said, you know, for me, the story today should be about uh, Patrick. And, um, you know, for me, he, you know, he, he's back. You know, and if he continues to do that, he's going to be, you know, he's going to help us win a lot of games. But he was, he was like I said, he was lights out today. Yeah, Davey Martinez might want to slow his role on proclaiming that Patrick Corbin is back, okay? Let's see a little bit more. Uh, but Corbin on Wednesday night was good. But yeah, Alcides Escobar on Wednesday night was not good. And he's struggling. I mean, this has been tough to watch. Alcides Escobar in this 2022 
regular season has a batting average of just 194, an on base percentage of just 256, and a slugging percentage of just 222. Uh, he came into Wednesday night's game with minus four defensive run saved at shortstop in the 2022 regular season. And then he on Wednesday night committed the two errors. Uh, the Nats have Luis Garcia at AAA Rochester. We've talked about him. He has been hitting really well at Rochester. Now, I know that the Nats have major concerns about Garcia's defense, especially his defense at shortstop. Uh, Garcia also can play second base. I get the defensive concerns. But Garcia has been hitting really well. Escobar has been brutal both offensively and defensively. And, you know, I just wonder, like, would Luis Garcia be that much worse at shortstop defensively than Escobar has been? And maybe the answer is yes, okay? But, you know, you think about the Nats, right? They're a rebuilding team. Alcides Escobar is in his age 35 season. Luis Garcia is in his age 22 season. Okay, I get that the performance of Escobar at the major league level should not dictate what you do with Luis Garcia, who, you know, is not some highly regarded prospect, but he is a prospect and he did have some success at the major league level last season. So, you know, I know that the Nats aren't dummies, okay? The president of baseball operations and general manager Mike Rizzo is not a dummy. I'm sure that he has his reasons for not having called up Luis Garcia just yet, but. I mean, what exactly are we doing here with Alcides Escobar, okay? I just don't know if you're the Nats how much longer you go with Escobar, especially with Garcia doing as he's doing at Rochester. I mean, he's batting 344. He has an on-base percentage of 402. He has a slugging percentage of 602. And again, I asked the question, how much worse defensively would Luis Garcia be at shortstop than Alcides Escobar is? You know, sometimes a young guy has to make his mistakes at the big league level, just get the mistakes out of his system, and then he's good to go. And maybe that's what Luis Garcia needs. I mean, Luis Garcia has had a lot of success at the AAA level. I don't know how much more there is for him to do to accomplish at the AAA level. So, you know, I do think that we'll see him at the major league level at some point here, perhaps some point soon, but um, it doesn't feel right now like that point is coming uh, anytime in the immediate future. But we'll see. Things can change. Uh, the Nats' offense on Wednesday night uh, was back to being rather quiet uh, off the offense having been really good in three of the previous four games. So the Nats on Wednesday night, just two runs, just seven hits, a homer, and six singles, just one walk. Uh, we had a rare bad game for Josh Bell. Uh, he is an Nats starting first baseman and number three batter went 0 for 4. Juan Soto as an Nats starting right fielder and number two batter, 1 for 4 with a single uh, and two strikeouts. Soto in the top of the fourth had a leadoff single through the right side of the infield, despite having been down to the count of 1.02. No Nelson Cruz on Wednesday night. He did not play due to back stiffness. And so Yadiel Hernandez on Wednesday night was the Nats starting DH and number four batter. And Yadiel remains hot. He went two for four with two singles. Uh, Yadiel in the top of the second had a leadoff opposite field single to left center field. Yadiel in the top of the fourth, a two-out single to right center field. Uh, Yadiel now in this 2022 regular season at 66 plate appearances, a batting average of 371, an on base percentage of 394, a slugging percentage of 532. I mean, plate appearance per plate appearance, he has been at worst the Nats' second best batter this season. Josh Bell has been the best. Uh, Yadiel Hernandez has been the second best in terms of plate appearance for plate appearance production, and he is really locked in right now. Like, Yadiel Hernandez is in what is called the zone right now. Every time he comes up to hit, 
it feels like he's going to get a hit. And he, more often than not, it seems, is getting a hit these days. Uh, Lane Thomas hit the home run for the Nats on Wednesday night. He was a Nats starting left fielder and number six batter. Went one for two with a solo homer and a walk. Uh, Thomas in the Nats, one run fifth, a leadoff homer to left field on a one-two pitch. The homer winner projected 431 feet for StatCast. Uh, that was Lane Thomas's first home run of this 2022 regular season. He has struggled offensively so far this year, so good to see him hit a homer. And then Thomas in the top of the seventh drew a two-out four-pitch walk. Uh, Cesar Hernandez on Wednesday night as an ad-starting second baseman and number one batter, two for four with an RBI single, another single, and a fielding error. Uh, Hernandez in an ad's one-run third, a two-out first-pitch RBI single through the left side of the infield for a one-nothing Nats lead. But he then, with Juan Soto batting, got picked off and then tagged out at second base for the third out. That was bad. Uh, and then Hernandez, moments after getting picked off to end the top of the third, committed a fielding error to begin the bottom of the third as uh, he and shallow right field had trouble fielding a grounder off the bat of Connor Joe. Uh, some really bad defense by the Nats on Wednesday night. Hernandez in the top of the sixth did have a first pitch leadoff single to left center field. Uh, no relievers were used by Davey Martinez on Wednesday night. First time this season that Davey did not use any relievers in a game, uh, but we on Wednesday did have bullpen news for the Nats, and the news, unfortunately, was not good news. So the Nats on Wednesday afternoon transferred reliever Sean Doolittle to the 60-day injured list. Uh, that is bad news right there. Um, the Nats also claimed a reliever, Corey Abbott, of outright waivers from the San Francisco Giants and optioned Abbott to AAA Rochester, but the Doolittle news is what stands out. He's going to be out for a while. Uh, the Nats on April 20th put Doolittle on the 10-day injured list with a left elbow sprain. We on Wednesday afternoon learned that Doolittle has received what is called a platelet-rich plasma injection, a PRP injection in his left elbow. Uh, the idea right now is to try to avoid Sean Doolittle having to undergo Tommy John surgery, so he has received this PRP injection but what the PRP injection means is that Doolittle won't be pitching until at least June, well into June, uh, if not July. We'll see. So not good. I mean, Doolittle's going to be out here for a while. Uh, remember, Doolittle had been really good so far this season. Doolittle over six games in the 2022 regular season, five and a third scoreless and walkless innings, six strikeouts. He has faced 17 batters. He has retired 16 of the 17 batters. So it's a shame, but Doolittle is an older player. When you rely on older players, uh, you can fall prey to something like a left elbow sprain that keeps a guy out for months. And right now, that's what we're looking at here with Sean Doolittle. Game three for the Nats at the Rockies Thursday afternoon at 310. Aaron Sanchez will be the Nats starting pitcher. Well, we on Wednesday night at Oriole Park at Camden Yards had a battle of the Orioles' future versus the Orioles' past. Uh, the pitching matchup on Wednesday night in Game 3 of a four-game series against the Minnesota Twins was Kyle Bradish versus former Oriole Dylan Bundy, who the O's took with the number 4 pick in the 2011 MLB Draft. Uh, the O's in December 2019 traded Bundy to the Los Angeles Angels for a package that featured Bradish. Uh, Bundy now is with the Twins, and so uh, we on Wednesday night had interest. We had intrigue in who would pitch better, Kyle Bradish versus Dylan Bundy. And the truth ended up being that neither guy pitched well, but Bundy was especially bad. And so the O's on Wednesday night, Joe Angel, were in the win column. 
And the Orioles again in the win column. Yes, Joe, the win column. Uh, the O's on Wednesday night beat the Twins 9-4 at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The O's this season now are 9-16. and And the O's on Wednesday night hammered Dylan Bundy. Uh, Bundy ended up allowing nine runs in three and two-thirds innings. Uh, the O's have not been a good offensive team so far this season. They were a good offensive team on Wednesday night. The O's scored six runs in the bottom of the third, three runs in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, Cedric Mullins as the Orioles starting center fielder and number one batter, two for five with a two-run homer and a single. He in that Orioles six-run third smashed a two-run homer of Dylan Bundy and Mullins in the Orioles three-run fourth had a one-out single on a one-two pitch from Bundy. Uh, Trey Mancini as the Orioles starting DH and number two batter, three for three with three singles and a walk. Uh, Dylan Bundy over his three and two-thirds innings gave up 11 hits, two homers, two doubles, and seven singles. Uh, As for Kyle Bradish on Wednesday night, well, he did get off to a good start, but he then fell apart in the top of the fourth. Uh, Bradish ultimately allowed four runs in four innings. He began his outing by tossing three scoreless innings, but he then gave up four runs in the top of the fourth, during which he gave up a two-run homer to twin shortstop Carlos Correa on a 1-2 pitch, issued two walks and a hit-by-pitch, and gave up three singles. Uh, That top of the fourth inning for Bradish was ugly. Gave up a two-run homer, issued two walks, issued a hit-by-pitch, gave up three singles. Uh, Bradish, over his four innings on Wednesday night, threw just 38 strikes versus 32 balls on 70 pitches. So a disappointing outing for Kyle Bradish off him having been good in his major league debut. Uh, Bradish in the Orioles 3-1 loss to the Boston Red Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yards this past Friday night in his major league debut. Three runs, two earned in six innings. He in the top of the second allowed three runs, but he then retired 13 of the final 14 batters he faced. O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on Kyle Bradish. The first three was really good. He's a, you know, it's mid-90s fastball with a little bit of cut, curveball, slider, change. We scored six there in the third. He sat for a long time. Uh, it was a long half inning for us offensively in a great way. Um, and they got to him there in that in that fourth inning. Um, I, I have to go look, but they were, they were on a lot of his pitches. I th- his command was a little bit off that inning for me. Um, you know, so it kind of ended his night early after a 30-something pitch inning there in the fourth inning, unfortunately. But, yeah, I don't know if it was the long sit, and we scored six there, long sit, um, that maybe derailed him a little bit. But um, the, more, mo- the most important thing is he's going to be pitching every five days. And, and um, you know, these are good learning experiences. Uh, the Orioles' bullpen on Wednesday night was good. Sionel Perez, Dylan Tate, and Jorge Lopez combined for five scoreless innings, but also for the O's on Wednesday with some bad pitching news. Uh, starter Chris Ellis is done for the season. Uh, the O's announced that Ellis on Wednesday underwent arthroscopic right shoulder surgery, ending his 2022 season. The O's on April 26th placed Ellis on the 10-day injured list, retroactive to April 25th with right shoulder inflammation. He in a 7-6 Orioles loss at the Los Angeles Angels on April 24th was the Orioles starting pitcher, but he allowed five runs, did not record a single out. Uh, he in a six-run Angels first faced five batters, gave up three walks, a hit by pitch, and a two-run single. And then that was it. Ellis left the game 
with right shoulder discomfort. That was troubling. Uh, and then the man who relieved him, Travis Lakin Sr., gave up a grand slam to Joe Adele for a 6-0 Angels lead. Uh, but Chris Ellis does have a history of right shoulder trouble. The O's last September 28th placed Ellis on the 10-day injured list with right shoulder inflammation. And uh, he now, unfortunately, has had to undergo this right shoulder surgery. You know, Ellis is an older prospect this season is his age 29 season, but he has shown some promise. Ellis, in the 2021 regular season, over six starts for the O's at the major league level, had an ERA of 249. Game four for the O's against the Twins at Oriole Park at Camden Yards is on Thursday night at 7.05. Spencer Watkins will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 309, will feature much more on the Commanders. I will post-game Capitals-Panthers game two in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Caps will be at Florida Thursday night at 7.30, looking for a 2-0 series lead. Uh, some Caps news from Wednesday. Tom Wilson, according to to head coach Peter Laviolette will be a game-time decision for Thursday night's Game 2 at the Panthers off the lower body injury that Wilson suffered in the Caps 4-2 win at the Panthers on Tuesday night. Uh, Also on Friday's show, I'll talk Nationals and Orioles. Game 3 for the Nats at the Colorado Rockies is on Thursday afternoon at 3-10. Game 4 for the O's against the Minnesota Twins at Oriole Park at Camden Yards is on Thursday night at 7.05. Have a great rest of your Cinco de Mayo Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. And the-